welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in snowy D.C. It's never going to stop snowing. My returning guest today is friend and writer Amanda Sowards. Now, I always try to keep these intros short, so I'm going to be as quick as I can. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, so thank you. It's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers, and I'm this close to having ads, so stay tuned for that. But it is patrons who keep the show going, and I am grateful. If you enjoy today's show, please take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see that I mostly interview or, or discuss politics with people, but occasionally I interview actors because I used to be one. So if you like the show, please just consider becoming a patron for any dollar amount. You could sign up for two bucks and then you can always upgrade later. The way that I do my show, I do two free shows for everybody on Monday and Wednesday. And then I do patrons only shows called What's Up With Me, Kimberly Johnson, after my free show. That's when I talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. (laughs) And then occasionally throughout the month, I'm going to be doing patron shows, patrons only shows with different people. Amanda's going to be one of them. So keep that in mind. But I haven't exactly figured everything out. I talk about that with her when she's on the show. So FYI, just visit patreon.com slash start me up and you'll find all the tiers. If you sign up, like I said, if you sign up for $2, no, I'm sorry, for $4 or less, you'll just get access to my free shows. If you sign up and that's a show of support, if you sign up for $5 or more, you'll get access to and delivered to your email box the patrons-only shows that I do, the What's Up with Kimberly Johnson, and then any with any other guests. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description of every show. I always include my email address, and you can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, the Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber. It's free. And while you're there, please, please rate the show and give me a review. I would really like it, especially if you like the show. Okay, that's it. Please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Sowards. Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Thank you. I almost said welcome back to the show, Rachel. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> well, you know, dress for the job you want. That's I what know, I like... say. <laughs> That's so weird. It's like it just wanted to come out of my mouth and I had to remember like, no, I'm talking to Amanda. <laughs> I don't even I guess I'm assuming that's Rachel Maddow. (laughs) So, so funny. So it's been a while since you've been on the show and I'm happy to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, Now, I just want to kind of clue everybody into what's going on. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, the direction and all this. But obviously, Steph Walton was doing the patrons only shows and you will be doing some of these patrons only shows now. So I'm not sure though, I'm going to do them exactly the way that I did them before. So plus considering the fact that I think in April, my mom's going to have hip surgery again. uh, I'm just keeping things loose. So the patrons only shows are going to be whenever they're going to be. There's not any Mm -hmm. absolute with it. So just FYI. And of course, Amanda will be part of that. So anyway, let's get to it. And I wanted to ask you because I know you've been vaccinated and you've had both of your doses. So I want you mm-hmm. to tell everybody your experience. And, and and you had a Pfizer one, right? Yeah, here's a, the situation. First of all, I'm not, I mean, technically, I don't really fall into any of the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a Pfizer lab rat. I volunteered so I'm part of the trial. Oh, cool. So that's how I ended up. Not only did I end up getting vaccinated, I actually got paid to be vaccinated. All right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I kind of had to pay for it because every time they vaccinate you, every time you go in, they stick a swab up your nose, yeah. which they don't usually do 
when you go in for the regular vaccination. Hmm. But um, yeah, so uh, essentially I uh, joined the trials back in the summer Mm -hmm. and got two shots immediately and knew almost right away that they were placebos because I just Hmm. felt nothing. Interesting. You know, like within five minutes, I couldn't even tell you where I got the shot. Hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they had said something in uh, around that time that they might unblind us early and give us a crack at the actual vaccine, which hmm. I sort of was hoping for, which they yeah. ended up doing. So I found out in January that awesome. I had received the placebo. Mm-hmm. I got my first shot at the end of January and um, it uh, and then I knew I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> now, now I see the difference. Yeah, because it, um, initially uh, like for the first hour or two, it felt like a regular flu shot. Mm-hmm. And then there was a minor, like not really a full headache, kind of a, like an almost headache. You know, like you feel mm-hmm. like I'm about to get a headache hmm. mm-hmm. for me. It was, it never blossomed into a headache, but I was exhausted hmm. for like two days. And that's after I the first didn't... one, after the first that dose? Was my first one. Okay. And I napped, uh, and you know, just FYI, I'm 62. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm, you know, kind of like in the older crowd, but I was just <laughs> under the ceiling. Yeah. So, um, and I, so I napped and iced my arm and I was sort of feeling kind of like I was coming down with something, but it never mm, quite happened. Interesting. Okay. And then I felt fine, you know, like mm-hmm. it lasted a couple of days, maybe three days, two, two and a half days of feeling sort of blah. And mm-hmm. then I felt fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the second shot I just got on the 13th of February mm-hmm. and that one was uh, similar uh, the, the symptoms didn't last uh, as long. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little flare-up of uh, of an autoimmune condition that I had, but that went away almost immediately. Um, but they say that, I mean, it's, in other words, I felt it was almost exactly the same symptoms. They just didn't last as long. Wow. Um, so basically the reason that you get that second shot isn't like you're still protected after the first shot. Mm-hmm. They just don't think it the immunity lasts as long. Oh, like I that see. That second shot is what essentially, basically, like you go from being immunized to being immunized tenfold. Oh, the antibodies right. replicate like by 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think, I think they're saying now that's what protects you somewhat against the, the mutations. Oh, God, thank well. you. Uh, the, the South yeah. African mutation, there was one in New York. They, they announced it last night. It's freaking me out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. The quicker that we can get vaccinated, mm-hmm. the quicker that this is everything that I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm God knows no doctor, mm-hmm. but this is everything that Pfizer is telling us mm-hmm. because Pfizer tends to talk because we have to sit in their office for like an hour. We just sit in the Providence offices for an hour while, while they get everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a lot. They, we ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. or I ask a lot of questions <laughs> and they answer. Um, Pfizer uh, says that is basically their line is the, as soon as people can get vaccinated, that's when these variants start dying down. Oh, because that's it's good the to know. passing from person to person mm-hmm. that allows the virus to mutate. Yeah. The fact that we have let the virus run roughshod with absolutely no check mm-hmm. for what a year yeah. now, going yeah. on a year, year and yeah. a half almost, um, is what's led to these variants. As soon as people can start getting vaccinated, you know, you don't get new vax, you don't get new variants of smallpox. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's not being passed from person to person, or polio, because right. it's not being passed from person to person. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as we can tamp that, tamp that down, um, especially with the mRNA vaccines, because uh, the variants are still related to the original vaccine, mm-hmm. to the original virus, I mean, mm-hmm. Um 
things should hopefully get better and these variants yeah. should stop. Oh my but apparently God. the UK, initially they were saying the UK variant wasn't any more fatal and now they're saying otherwise. Oh. That if you get it and you're not vaccinated, yeah, Ugh. that it can be more fatal. So, Great. Um, <laughs> I should have said that to you because you get very upset about these things. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I do think I'm one of the safest people in the country. But, um, you know, <laughs> I was just reading the other day about how something about how double masking that like if on the sides if there's air you can still breathe it's like jesus christ can you just fucking leave me alone i mean there's only so much i can do i wear two masks the other day i mean at first i was when i was when this was all happening at first i was just wearing one mask and then i had these Mm -hmm. like um these like construction worker glasses that you know those Mm -hmm. plastic ones and it's driving me nuts because even though I put a little like it looks like a little joint, <laughs> it's like a little mm-hmm. joint under, uh, you know, or, or my nose so that mm-hmm. the air doesn't come up and fog my glasses. So I was I was then I was doing two masks and I was just doing the shield, but then it was fogging the shield. Now I'm back to the glasses because the glasses seem to hold that little joint piece of toilet paper, you know, between mm-hmm. my mask and my nose. It, it helps. So it's like I have all this shit on my face. And, uh, I mean, God, seriously, if I get this virus from, you know, going to the store twice a week and, you know, occasionally I have to go to CVS or something, but it's so rare. In fact, my, Mm -hmm. my other pharmacy, I can just go outside and he'll walk it out to me. So, uh, that's wonderful. But, you know, my father has received his second shot and basically he described it as feeling hungover. He said, you know, I didn't feel sick. And he yeah. did he did feel tired, but you know, he said mm-hmm. I, I never got the shivers or a fever or a cough or anything like that. It's just he said I, the best way to describe it is I felt hungover. So Yeah, that is a good way to describe it. You feel like you just feel black. Yeah. You feel kind of like, eh, I, yeah. I feel like I might be coming down with something. Hmm. But it never quite comes through. And that that is that's exactly what that feeling is, is your immune mm-hmm. system is kicking in. It's a good yes. sign. Right. If you have a response, it's actually a good sign. It means your immune system is is working. That's yeah. why that second shot. Sometimes people have a much adverse mm-hmm. response to the second shot, um, but uh, it, it just means your immune system is doing doing its thing. I'm wondering. It's never seen this virus. I'm wondering, and I, you know, this is just total curiosity based on nothing. But it's like I know that there, you know, there are people who have taken more risks than I have, and mm-hmm. maybe they've gotten a little bit of the virus at a time. And it's just not enough to get them sick, but enough so that, you know, because there are some people who have fevers, you know, they Mm -hmm. get the full on fever after they've gotten the vaccination. And I just wonder if that's like if they've had no um, exposure to it and they're just they're they're reacting stronger because I don't know. I mean, I was like, I wonder I wonder if that's the case. But I, I mean, I don't I don't know. I have no idea. I can tell, let me tell you what my friend, the doctor who uh, works in urgent care and has basically sees on our, and initially when she was, she first came out here, she was seeing probably three to four uh, Corona cases a day. And she was wearing, she's a physician. So she was wearing PPE, Yeah. but she said, you know, she believes, and I don't know how much, I mean, this is kind of her jam. So she believes that. (laughs) the small amount of viral load that she was exposed to through the mask mm-hmm. basically has you know, helped yeah. her build up antibodies. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I think everybody's, I think everybody's immune system is just different. Mm-hmm. I, I will also tell you that I get a flu shot every single year. Yeah. It's not just to protect me from annual flu. It's to protect me from all the flus, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, basically when you get a, you know, they say that if you can, if you get flu shots every year, you get enough antibodies that there are only so many brand new flu right, strains yeah, you can get yeah. that, you know, that are novel viruses. That's yeah. what coronavirus, this coronavirus is a novel virus. No one's ever seen it. Right. It came from a bat somewhere and, uh, you know, no one ever saw it before. Right. So, um, but so I think everyone's just different. I also will tell you that I come from a family where our immune systems are so strong, they eventually try and kill us. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's true. We all, there's not a person in my family that doesn't have some type of autoimmune disease. Practically. Wow. It's sad because we, but, but, you know, like we'll live forever. Mm-hmm. You know, we won't like, <laughs> until our immune systems kill us, we'll live forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, wow. um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just saying we have a very strong immune systems and, and, uh, you know, we mm-hmm. tend to beat back a lot of stuff that probably would. I remember like when uh, I was uh, 10, that was when the Hong Kong flu was going around. Mm-hmm. I got very sick. My godmother got very sick. My mother never got a sniffle, hmm. but then my mother ended up dying of complications from wow. multiple sclerosis, oh. which is a really bad, I mean, later yeah. on years down the road, my aunt like her that. immune system was so strong. She never got the Hong Kong flu. Yeah. That's but, wow. Yeah. yeah you know, her immune system turned against her and eventually and right. like tried to kill her. So, um, wow. who knows, who knows what, you know, I think everybody just reacts differently. Yeah. Um, well, that's I've good also to know. known people who haven't gotten any reaction yet still hmm. have antibodies. So, hmm. yeah, I guess, I mean, everybody is, it is different. And, you know, I mean, I used to be a smoker and I think that the fact that I haven't smoked now since 2013 and, I haven't really been getting sick like I used to. I, I'm sure smoking cigarettes, you know, took my immune system down. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, initially it started at, I used to get colds like five or six times a year. They weren't like severe or anything. They were just pain, like a pain in the ass cold. But it would mm-hmm. happen like five or six times a year. And then eventually it was funny because I, I started taking echinacea. And echinacea mm-hmm. stopped. I mean, my it was my father took echinacea. And he didn't notice any difference, but the way that I took it, and this is while I was still smoking, and I know, and when I started that, I, I noticed that at that point, maybe I had one or two colds per year. But mm-hmm. the way that I took it was I would, I think I would take, I would start around September and maybe take one in the morning. And then I would up it in October and maybe take two in the morning. And then as cold and flu season really hit in, I would take two in the morning and two at dinner. And I would go all the way until like February, March. And then I would start to go back, you know, and take less and less. And so, and then I wouldn't take any during the summer. And I found that that worked for me. And, you know, there's no proof. I have no proof, no scientific proof that that works, except for my experience of not getting sick as often. But then, Mm -hmm. and I've talked about, uh, the odorless garlic, I take that. That to me is the m- most major miracle thing ever. And and it it started because my friend Sam, I used to write for Liberals Unite, and he had suggested when I would get sick, he was like, you should make garlic soup with like, I don't know, some ridiculous number of garlic cloves. And there's just no fucking way. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to eat that much garlic. And, and so, but I thought, well, maybe if I get, you know, the odorless garlic and I like I never can remember the name of it, but it's the one in the green bottle. And you can take it on an empty stomach and, and, and you never taste it. So mm-hmm. I take a bunch of them and it's like, oh, my God, I'm around sick people. I don't get sick. I just don't get cold. So, I mean, I'll take zinc if I if some you know, if I feel like I'm getting a cold or something like that, I'll take zinc. But I think like the odorless garlic, 
is uh, it's like a fucking miracle to me anyway. And I don't even take echinacea anymore. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean, I've just I've noticed that I quit smoking that, you know, I don't really get sick anymore. But Mm -hmm. I'm wondering because I have been and it probably isn't going to happen, but I have been, you know, secluded and basically sequestered for so long. No germs around me. Like, uh, what does that mean now, when we go back into the world and we're not masked and everything, am I going to like get colds palooza? <laughs> you know, because well, you know, you haven't. We haven't been isolated. I don't think we've been isolated long enough to make that really be. Yeah, it's like, probably not. And know, I have immunity. I mean, I've been building unless up you immunity. get smallpox infested blankets. I'm pretty sure you're. <laughs> pretty sure you're unless you know somebody who's like out to get you. Um, I think you're going to be. I mean, I think we're all going to be okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of like opening back up again, I mean, just. To, to watch how quickly, once the vaccine started to roll out on mm-hmm. top of the infections, mm-hmm. um, how quickly uh, are, I mean, because you know what the situation was in L.A. Yeah. just a few months ago. Like, literally, people were like, yeah, don't let your appendix burst because mm-hmm. there's no hospital <laughs> yeah, space right. for you. Right. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, so it's not like that anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. literally if you need to go to an emergency room, you can go to an emergency mm-hmm. room right now. In, yeah. In the LA. Cases are fine. down where I live too. So it's like, it just, it feels so much better to, to know that because even though I'm going to take all the precautions, just this feeling of at the end of the tunnel thing, I mean, we're not out of the tunnel and, mm-hmm. and really right now my mom is having such a hard time. I even got an alert on my phone this morning that said there are vaccines available in your area. And I thought, well, maybe I'll sign in, you know, and and try to get one for my mother. But everywhere I tried to sign up, it was like, it was closed. Plus it fucking snowed again. Okay. I'm so sick of the, I'm sick of the snow. now. I like the snow (laughs) and I like, I'm inside and I don't, but you know, I had to go down to my car the other day and we've been having what they like to call the wintry mix, which is Mm -hmm. snow and then rain. Which right. is either sleet or it winds up leaving an ice, like your windshield is covered with ice. And I had right. to go out grocery shopping the other day and I thought, you know, Bob, Bob parks in a garage. I park outside. And so I, I'm, I'm like taking fucking Bob's car because this is ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, we woke up this morning and there and more snow. And I'm like, okay, because we didn't have yeah. any last year. I think it snowed once overnight and it didn't stick and that was it and I was really disappointed because I do like the snow I enjoy the quiet of it and the beauty of it and everything but after a while especially when it's slushy and you put your you put your foot you know I go to my car and I put my foot down and there's all this snow there but it's slushy snow and then your shoe is sopping wet and it's freezing and it's like okay this sucks (laughs) (laughs) as most people who live in snow will often say but um, yeah and that's what that's what makes this whole thing that's happening in the south right now so bizarre. I mean you know everyone's talking about Texas but this cold snap Mm -hmm. is all the way across the south Mm -hmm. like my sister lives in Tennessee they don't get snow in Tennessee. Right. They, I mean, you know, unless you live in the mountains, you know, but it, they may get frost or a light dusting. But my sister's been calf deep in snow mm-hmm. or was like a week ago, calf deep in snow wow. for days. And now it's like what you were talking about, where it either melts and then freezes as soon as the sun mm-hmm. goes down or it rains. Yeah. And um, she uh, had a, she almost had a car accident the other night. I was like, oh, "Are you wow. okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm just freaked out because she's not used to driving. Yeah. She neither she nor any of her neighbors are used to driving in that. At least yeah. the one thing about Maryland is you have people 
who drive in snow drive yeah, but, on ice. But I have, I gotta They're say, worst morons. fucking drivers in the world. I, I really? I, oh my god, <laughs> my father, who you know, he'd always complain about DC drivers, and I'm like, Dad, you don't know jack shit. I'm an outside salesperson in Los Angeles. I know traffic. No, he's right. Worst <laughs> fucking drivers in the world. I hate them. I hate driving here. And the other one of the things that I really hate about driving here is that and it's it's not all the time. It's just on occasion. But on occasion, the exits are on the right side. Oh, no, I'm sorry. On the left side. On the left side. No. Yes. How and do you do that? It's just fucking it's. And the thing is, is when you're not used to it and like you're in your you're getting your GPS announcements, you know, exit coming up, you're expecting it to be on the right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll tell you it's a left. But the other thing that that happens here all the time is if you're in the right-hand lane, all of a sudden it's a, it's a must-turn lane. It's like you don't know that it's going to happen, and you get no warning, and then you have to fucking turn, and it's so annoying. It's like <laughs> I, I have to say that the, the traffic here and the way people behave, it's, it's the people. They're such assholes. They ride up on your ass, and they flick their lights at you when you're, when you're going over the speed limit. It's, mm. it's, it's so annoying. I hate it. And I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of shit, you know, being an outside sales rep in Los Angeles I had to drive everywhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, God, I remember feeling like so anxious. Like I was so I get anxious before I have to do long drives. But once I'm mm-hmm. doing them, I'm usually fine. But I was so anxious about driving to Santa Barbara for the very first time. And then I drove to Santa Barbara and it was like, oh my, and I drove on, uh, it was uh, Pacific Coast Highway and, you know, it mm-hmm. was like the most beautiful experience oh. of my life. <laughs> it is, it is. It's, it's such a beautiful drive. And worth it, like if you take PCH all the way up, mm-hmm. it's totally worth the extra time it is. It totally than taking is. the freeway. It's so but nice. if you can get all the way up on PCH, yeah. there's so many <laughs> I know, I know. It has to be the right time of year. But it is, it's yeah. so beautiful. And it's like, I, I miss, I go back and forth between, you know, it's like sometimes I get sick of it here. There are thir- mm-hmm. there are things about the East Coast that I find there, there's a certain it's like it's like a negative depressing quality. And I mm-hmm. sometimes I really wonder if it's energy from the Civil War like is still around. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But there, it's like a heavy feeling here where back or I should say I used to say back east, but in L.A., in California, it's light. But and mm-hmm. I used to criticize Los Angeles because there wasn't as much history. I mean, there is mm-hmm. history there, but and there's really cool history there too. But there's like there's this deep American history on the East Coast, and obviously the Civil War mm-hmm. was fought here. And you know, I mean, there's a there's this um, Bob is a, a Civil War history buff, and mm-hmm. before we moved here, he was online looking at all these things, and he found this this structure that's basically just a wall it's like a ruin of of some kind of cabin or something like that but a stone cabin but i guess and i and i'll probably get this wrong i should just call bob in and tell the story but he uh he was telling me that this guy i think it was somebody who shot lincoln or tried to shoot having something to do with the lincoln assassination assassination escaped and hid in this cabin and it's just something i see every winter when there's no you know greenery it's like, oh, wow, you know, you just pass it, you know, on your daily route to somewhere. And it's like there's such deep history here, but there's something kind of depressing about it at the same time. And and I do look at the beauty because especially in the summertime, oh, my God, the green. There's so mm-hmm. much green here. I mean, it's humid as fuck and I hate it. But and there's a lot of bugs, but it's so beautiful. And so I try to remind myself 
that, you know, wow, this is really actually very beautiful. Plus there's a Smithsonian Institute. There's so many things to do that, yeah. that are fun and interesting, great dining, great seafood. Not even that I'm a big seafood fan, but it's good seafood. And, and then I, but then when I start getting down, I think, you know, I miss, I miss Southern California and this and that. But then I think in terms of the fires and they're just getting worse and worse and worse and breathing all that air. And like, do I really want that for my life? Mm -hmm. You know, like would I ever move back there? And really it's the fires that would keep me away. Right. Well, I think it was, I mean, honestly, I still, I still have to, rem, you know, I still have to remember, I always, the, the word that always pops into my head is paradise. Mm -hmm. The fact that an entire town was literally, yes. a whole town uh -huh. burned to the ground. Yeah. And I, and I just have to, and you know, when I was thinking about this with the power companies and everything that's happening in Texas and, and I'm thinking, you know, you can talk about unregulated deregulation as much as you want, but mm -hmm. a lot of it's infrastructure too. So you, Texas has a double whammy. Their infrastructure is old, mm -hmm. but also their, their power company is completely unregulated and there's a whole other scandal mm -hmm. coming up about this yeah which because a guy just got a nine thousand dollar power bill right yes yeah, yeah you know and that's the new thing that's coming up is yeah. you're going to get nine ten fifteen thousand dollar power bills the people are going to start getting uh, you know cr crazy but which you wouldn't get with pg and e mm -hmm. but with pg and e and even with Southern California Edison down here, like if there's a winter, if there's a, some kind of a weather thing, Southern California Edison doesn't happen with the Department of Water and Power. But Southern California Edison will do what PG&E does, which is to shut off the power mm -hmm. so that there are no fires. Mm -hmm. Because our our infrastructure, and this is one of the things I'm hoping ha happens with Build Back Better, with the infrastructure plan, mm -hmm. is our infrastructure is is already like 25 to 30 years out of date. Yeah. It was only supposed to last 50 years. And then we were supposed to get on it and upgrade it. And we haven't. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with a hundred year old plumbing, wow. you know, 75 year old electrical works. This is the problem. I think Texas is having the, like, this is the the example of people, you know, you, well, you lived in California, so you hear, I'm sure you heard it too. People are like, well, we're California and we're going to so We're going to take our money with us. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know why? Because Texas. Yeah, Texas right. is as close to seceding from the union as you can secede and still mm -hmm. be a part of the United States. Mm -hmm. And this is what comes of that. Yeah. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, so there you go. And so, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not, we're going to stay here and we're going to make it work. We're going to, we're going to make it work because we're family, damn it. <laughs> you can't divorce your siblings. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, there's, I mean, there's shit wherever you go. And so what, sure. you have to deal with whatever shit, but it's like, as much as I don't like this, you know, and I'm going to say, I like the snow. But as much as I don't like too much snow or the humidity or whatever, it's like I'm going to take that over breathing in smoke because there were I mean, right before I left Southern California and moved to Northern California, I was met with the fire in front of my house. And mm -hmm. it was, at that time, it was the largest wildfire in California's history. It was called the Station Fire. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they, that's been beaten by other fires since mm -hmm. I've left. But it was fucking scary, man. I was getting robocalls letting me know, you know, I, I, fortunately, I had somewhere to go. This woman, this wealthy woman who I didn't even very, I didn't know her very well, but I knew her and she was a friend of mine, uh, offered, she lived in Beverly Hills and she offered her house to me with my two cats. 
And so I felt so grateful. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would get these calls saying, be prepared, have your car packed up and be prepared to leave at a moment's notice. And that was frightening. And there was one night when I watched because there were these mountains across, like I had my, my whole entire apartment wall was window. And so I was looking out at the San Gabriel Mountains. I was living up in northern Glendale facing the mountains with a little town, you know, in between. Mm -hmm. And I figured that the town made me safe, not thinking in terms of, well, if there are 80 mile an hour winds, which didn't happen, but that could have, you know, immediately changed Mm -hmm. everything. But uh, for, I'd say that fire started, let's say it was like on a Thursday and it was 106 degrees. And I think it was like 106 degrees consistently for at least five days. And the fire was in front of my house, burning on that mountain. And I remember, or it was a hill, but I remember seeing, or yeah, it was like mountains, low mountains. But I remember seeing that like a portion of the hill was on fire earlier in the day. They had managed it, gotten the fire, you know, was out. And I thought, okay, well, that part of the mountain isn't going to catch fire again because it's already been on fire. It was like 11 o'clock at night. It fucking starts burning again. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? And it was right that's before. A, that's, the, that's the danger about these wildfires is yeah. that you think you've tamped them down. And yes. especially as dry as we are here uh-huh. and have been mm-hmm. for, what, 20 years. Yeah. You know, so you have all this undergrowth and then the fire kind of goes to sleep for a little mm-hmm. bit. And the fire department thinks they've tamped it down. And the next thing you know, you do get an 80. It's not It's not like you don't even need an 80 mile an hour wind. A 30 will do, thank well, you. Well, right. And exactly. that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these wildfires are burning to get Santa Ana's and 25 and 30 mile an hour winds, especially yeah. at night. So it's, I mean, it, what you went through, I remember, cause I remember the right before you guys moved. Um, I remember thinking that you guys were right in the path yeah. of, of that enormous fire. The mm-hmm. one that I think, I think it was the one that burned paradise, wasn't it? It might've been, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. But I mean, it was just like everything was burning and PG and had shut off the power. And I mean, it was just insane. It was just insane. And yeah. I thought this has got to stop. And we've been pretty, we've had some fires the last couple of years, but they haven't been quite as big. Mm-hmm. Malibu's taken a couple of bad hits. Yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, we've been pretty lucky. Um, I don't know, although I should say I, I don't know because for the last year I've been <laughs> sitting in a house by myself. It hasn't burned through my apartment, which is surrounded by asphalt and concrete. So, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure it's not real at all. Um, maybe people have been sweeping the forest floor a lot better. Yeah, maybe that's know. what it is. Maybe they're sweeping <laughs> the forest floor. Thank God for, for Trump giving that advice. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my God. God. But speaking of Trump, okay, he's having a shitty day and it's making me feel good. And I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the, those, all the Supreme Court appointments, Supreme Court appointments are not working out the way I think he thought they would. Work exactly. Out. <laughs> I mean, not to say that I'm going to love them moving forward with everything, but so they're, they're like, go ahead and release his taxes. So that's going to be cool. And then, uh, and and it happens to be on the same day that Merrick Garland is is con- her confirmation hearing mm-hmm. started, and then oh my God, the fucking my pillow guy is being sued by Dominion voters for one point three billion dollars, billion with a B. <laughs> I know, and that makes me. I mean, honestly, that makes me just anything to shut that guy up. Yes, because for <laughs> he's. I mean, listen, Fox is fed up with him at this point. Although I. 
can I just say, this past Sunday freaked me out Why? with the Republicans back on the whole the election was stolen oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Did you people not, were you not paying attention? <laughs> and Mar- I'm a little worried. Kimberly, I'm worried about March 4th. I have no idea what's going to go on <laughs> March 4th. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of. In terms of like how people are going to react, exactly. Like yeah. when Trump uh, doesn't become president again, those yeah. keepers are planning. Uh, right. You know, they're not all in prison. Well, we're so. going to have to expect. You know what? It's not over. There's definitely going to be. There's definitely. We've got danger spots, and shit's going to go down. You know, I mean, it's funny because I don't know why this is happening, but it, and it's been happening a lot with me recently, where I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or whatever it is and I feel just sad and and there's no particular reason and it, it worries me because like I used to I remember when I lived on my own I would have this recurring dream that I would have to go live with my mother and it was like the like a fucking nightmare I did not want to ever have to not that I didn't want to live with my mother per se but who wants to go back and has to live with their parents and no, so nobody. you know I mean I made the decision to go back and move but it was like after years and years and years of having these dreams and it was always weird because like I would have the dream and then I would wake up and maybe go to the bathroom and I remember I would see in the dark with my very limited minus six vision <laughs> um, which <laughs> is practically blind I would see my living room and in silhouette and I would I would like feel so I don't, like I was afraid I was going to lose it or there was just like this weird thing like this is my living room and I don't want to lose it it's mine it's mine and I would feel that mm-hmm. way and then eventually I didn't lose anything I actually when I chose to to move in with my mom it was it was right when the uh you know after the two th- well I it was the the, the break the 2008 economic failure happened mm-hmm. and then I moved in about a year later because the company that I was working for it was long story shitty awful and I thought you know what I just my mom was of course in my ear you'll love it up here you'll love it up here <laughs> she wanted me to move up there so I uh, you know I had that plus I was thinking you know I can just start my life over I'll get a sales job up there and I'll basically get my own place and you know and that that'll be that and of course it didn't turn out that way my mom and I put out a book and then it led me to the direction I'm in now so but but when I did move in with her I mean I had money I had a good amount of money in my savings and I you know chose to live there I, it wasn't something mm-hmm. like I was forced to live there because I lost my job and everything in fact in fact, they didn't want me to quit. They were so awful. I hated them so much. But they didn't want me to quit. And they they were trying to figure out any way for some reason to keep me. And I, and, and I think it's because they didn't want to pay unemployment, which wouldn't that be less than paying a salary? But anyway, so I, you know, I, I, when I did leave, but I had these dreams for all these years. And, so, and then it came to be. And so, you know, and then the only other time that I had any kind of dream that I that happened was, and I've talked about it here, where this like big elephant head took its last gas last gasps and died in my living room. But it was this huge elephant head, like as high up to the ceiling. And I do think that was a a, a dream that I predicted that the GOP was going to die. And then we'd have this huge mess to clean up and it would be very right. hard. And so I do think that was a prophetic dream. And so now I keep dreaming like and now I'm waking up and I'm feeling down 
And I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it's just because COVID and I can't, and I'm worried about my mom and I'm worried about this and I'm worried. Is it that? Or like, I don't want to think about something bad. And I'm like, this is scaring me. The, 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 you know, I saw, I saw like it was NBC or something yesterday saying that Republicans are viewing, or I should say voters are reviewing Republicans as like the, the, the working class blue collar party. What the fuck? What are people, what? What's, what are people thinking? <laughs> I Well, you know what? I don't, honestly, I've got to tell you. And that, that brings us to like this whole idea that Trump runs the Republican Party now. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I think this is all a big fallacy and a big lie. Hmm. And I think time is going to reveal that this is true. Because it doesn't jive with everything that's happened. Like you can talk about poll numbers all you want, mm-hmm. what people think. And, you know, people when they're polled, they say stupid shit that I don't even know that they believe. I'm going to be – and, you know, even – it's funny. Somebody actually asked Nate Silver about this. And he's like, you know, you have to be careful with polls about what people think. Mm-hmm. Not how they're going to vote or whatever, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. people think. Because people say stuff when they're asked yeah. that they may or may not even believe. And I thought, that's an interesting way to look at it. Hmm. See, because Nate Silver started as a sports statistician. So you people either hit the ball or catch the ball or they yeah, don't when right. you're a sports statistician. When you move into politics, it becomes – and you're dealing with forecasting – it becomes a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You should pardon the expression. <laughs> but I believe that this whole idea that they cannot win without Trump, yeah. that what Lindsey Graham said, well, I know he's hard to handle, but hard to handle? He talked with the chainsaw. <laughs> you know? I mean, look what happened in the Georgia. They were counting on him in those Georgia runoffs. Yeah. And he was so busy mm-hmm. being butthurt mm-hmm. over not winning that he, I think he tanked them. And people... Don't turn those people that voted for Trump do not turn out for elections where Trump is not on the ballot. Look, he's only ever won one election. He's never won the popular vote. And if you look at his stats while he was president, he never his approval rating never hit 50. Hmm. That's true. So, I mean, you know, it's like um, and he has never really been great for down-ballot candidates. No, ever. he hasn't, no. So I'm not sure what Lindsey Graham is looking at here, mm-hmm. but he's nuts. Those people are not turning out for Josh Hawley. They are not turning out for mm. Ted Cruz, I promise you. They didn't even, I will tell you, a lot of those people that were arrested at the Capitol didn't even turn out for Donald Trump. Yeah, I know. In November <laughs> Fucking idiots, I know. <laughs> you know, oh and so that's the part that, it's like, why are you so catering to this guy? You had the opportunity. Yeah. To to exactly. convict him on impeachment, get him out of your party, mm-hmm. get the tumor out and heal before the midterms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not complaining because honestly, if they turn Trump loose in 2022, mm-hmm. I think we'll get this. I think we'll get a nice sound majority in the Senate. Yeah. You know what? You and, say that and it totally makes sense, because if you think about it and I, I will maintain that. OK, yes, we, we've got to credit all the grassroots organizers, we've got to credit Stacey Abrams. They did phenomenal jobs of making sure people voted. But Trump also was a great motivator. He got people to show up throughout the entire presidency in every single election. So mm-hmm. and it was and, and the people that we want, the, the, the Democrats. So, I mean, I think the 2018 uh, mid, midterms had was that was like a general election turnout. So right. and, and we know that most of the time that doesn't happen, although I, I do want to throw this in here. 
I wish I could remember the guy's name. But there is a guy who is running against Lauren Boebert. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I'm a Democrat. I'm running against Lauren Boebert. But I guess he has ties to Blackwater, Eric Prince and Blackwater. And so I want to caution all of the Democrats and the liberals. You know, this is just this is going to be something I'm going to be pounding now. Democrats and liberal people, progressive people, we love to love the the stars. We love the people who say what we want to hear. Now, I'm going to include somebody like Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Project. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm going to go with Amy Siskind because I and I've talked about this before and I'll, I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. But not only did Amy Siskind support Sarah Palin because after Barack Obama was the nominee she, and, and she pushed for Sarah Palin. You know, I mean, that people are saying that she's, you know, then she became part of the resistance when Trump was the president. And and then everybody, you know, loves her uh, because she says what we want to hear. But interestingly, that, and I think I told this story not too long ago on the show, but, you know, she was going after a couple of black women. I don't know when this was probably in 2018. She was being rude and attacking them and I don't know, spreading disinformation, whatever it was. I can't remember. But. I know that Molly Jong Fast was pissed off at, at Amy Siskind and, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And so I messaged Amy and, you know, I told her that she, what she said was disappointing. And, and then I thought she was going to like, I don't know, it sounded like she was going to say, OK, I'm going to fix this. But then she just wound up blocking me on Twitter. And I mean, I don't right. give a shit. But the idea is, you know, there, there are these personalities that emerge and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, I'm running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm running against Lauren Boebert. I'm running against Josh Hawley. Don't just assume because they say what you want to hear that they're the person that you should support. Take everything with a grain of salt. And I'm not saying, you know, get be so paranoid that you can't trust anybody. But I think we're so quick to applaud people who say the things we want to hear. We're not paying attention to anything else. And I think, I mean, Rick Wilson is a perfect example because he is, you know, the, some of the things that he said in the past, specifically about Democrats, are just abhorrent. But the way he's treated people in his own party, that Max Cleland commercial where he was being, you know, he wrote, it was terrible. Max Cleland is a Vietnam vet who lost his arm in both legs. And, you know, the, the Republican that Rick worked for that was going against <coughs> Cleland, who was also a Republican, um, I mean, he said horrible things about him. So that's what Rick does for a living. You know, I don't care about his personality per se, but the way that he handles himself and the things that he does are destructive and toxic. And just because he's he's funny and really good at what he does doesn't necessarily mean he's our ally. So, you know, I think that we have to be so careful about who we're going to we don't know sometimes if, if we don't know who they are, do some research, you know, or, or wait, wait till other right. people do research. And, well, see. and when you were talking on the show, you did a, you did on one of your shows where you were talking about, be careful about donating. You had talked about the Lincoln project yeah. and, and Steve Schmidt's uh, the whole thing that's happening with yeah. all of it. And um, you were like, you know, people were so quick to jump on that band yeah. bandwagon. And I thought, you know, and I was like, yeah, no, absolutely. So absolutely true because, because they, they are clever. Mm-hmm. You know, the video guy, I can't remember his name. He's actually, his name's Ben something. I can't remember oh, his last yeah. name, but Ben Wise, I want to say, but that might be wrong. Um, but he's the one that he's the power behind mm-hmm. Lincoln Project. Cause he puts together those videos mm-hmm. and we love those videos. Yeah, they're great. But, 
Yeah, but you can't ever forget. It's kind of like how we're dealing with now with Michael Cohen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, except are we not for? Let, let me let. Uh, yes, we love that he goes on Rachel, and we love that he disses Trump and all that stuff. But leave us not forget. This is a man who, like seven or eight years ago, said you, a man can't rape his wife. Right. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. That's Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so before we like boost, but we are so happy to boost him as a hero mm-hmm. because the because of the enemy of my the friend right. of, you know the yeah, enemy yeah. of my enemy is my friend yeah. the enemy of your enemy is might not be your friend right they might help you <laughs> defeat the enemy which is good and they can be your ally in the moment but then right. you know we're going to have all these people coming up who say i'm a democrat and i'm running against so-and-so and for all we know they could be a fucking republican right you know and sheep and in wolf's and cl- sheep's clothing or whatever wolf and sheep's clothing so we we just have to be careful of that and i want everybody to keep that in mind and the other thing i wanted to, on this line i kind of wanted to talk about and again, I think this is going to be something I'm bringing up a lot, where I saw an episode of MASH the other night, and I've been trying to, or I I think like every night when I watch the news, and I call it my after-dinner Twitter, you know, when my mind is working overtime, and I'm I'm looking at, you know, listening to whatever I'm watching, whether it's Joy Reid or, or Chris Hayes or whatever, Rachel Maddow, and I think that so much of, we're always letting the conservatives in this country, which, I mean, okay, conservative, I say loosely, just because, I mean, uh, right-wing extremists is what I really mean. Uh, we allow the right-wing extremists to control the narrative, whether we have power or they have power. So right now, while Democrats are in power, the right-wing is still dominating the narrative. And mm-hmm. part of that has to do with the 24-hour news cable cycle where, you know, what gets ratings. And so there's nothing I can necessarily do about that. I can bitch and complain. But, but there's also this, in, in, in the MASH episode that I was watching, there was this dude who, he was, he was an American, and he was being treated by the MASH unit, and he was a racist. Now, I, I was making dinner, so I didn't catch every detail. But the long is, he, he was a racist, and so they fucked with him. I think they put, like... I think they put, like, brown makeup or dye on his face just to fuck with him. And, you know, then they told him that he got, uh, he had to have, like, a blood transfusion and that the blood that he got was from a black person. It might have been from a black person, but they made sure to let him know because he was racist. And then they made him food, and it was, it was chicken and watermelon. And it was just like a big fuck you. Fuck you, racist. We're going to fuck with you. And I feel like we kind of need to be like that as, as a culture when it comes to racists, sexists, um, insurrectionists, <laughs> the Trump family, people who are, are hurting our democracy and making life difficult. But we seem, it's like we want to, God forbid you offend the white supremacist on MSNBC or on CNN. You know, it's like you're not allowed to offend them. And, well, and, and listen, they... you'll get banned. There are certain like uh, there are certain uh, platforms. Facebook will ban you now for criticizing white supremacists. Oh, yes. so, like they will ban as if it's somehow racist. It's hate speech. Now. It's called hate to... speech. Yeah. Yes. I've gotten in and, trouble. And many they times. do it on TikTok as well. And yeah. that's a whole different company. Yeah. So I'm just thinking to myself, well, there, there, 
okay, no. <laughs> I know. No. So right? we have to say Nazis are bad. We have yes. to say, we can be free to say white supremacists are bad, Nazis are bad, the KKK is bad. We yeah. have to be free to be able to say that shit. And it's you know? something I mean, that we should fact- all be doing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the idea of like when you, when somebody walks into an establishment without a mask and everybody's like on them and, and treating them like a pariah, that's how a white they shouldn't be invited on to a morning show on Sunday mm-hmm. to, to, to state their case. No, right. you don't no, get no, Nazis don't, don't get to state their case. case, but we're letting them. And that's, what's really scary is that as a culture, we're accepting them. I and mean, I understand that cable news and I don't like it and I don't think it's right, but I get that cable news is, is bottom line is the dollar. And then not only that, you have people within you know, with, within that industry who are either, complicit or part of it they're part of the white supremacy and you know they're not allowed to say certain things they're not allowed you know i mean i know joy reed i I think it's amazing that joy reed has taken over for uh what was his name chris matthews Um, right i'm so grateful that it was her because she Mm -hmm. spends a lot of time talking about diversity and things that you know she has guests on people of color that that Chris Matthews never would have had on. So Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that she's the one who did it and took over that spot. But it's like, she's, I know she's probably stuck where she can't do certain things. And I, you know, I'm sure that she would want to things that she wants to say, but you know, MSNBC has her under a contract and tells her you can't say this and you can't. And you know what, out of all of them, I prefer MSNBC. And the reason why is because, and I always listen to them when they're telling a story whether the, whether it's a guest or the host, they are reasonable. That you know, it's like I know Joe Walsh, who was just on the show on Wednesday, and we were debating abortion, has criticized people on the left of being in a bubble. But I really don't think we're in a bubble. I think that we are. We tell the truth, and sometimes we get it wrong. And and it's I, I don't want to put MSNBC or anybody on any kind of fucking pedestal. But it's like what I see is if somebody. It's like I see Chris Hayes bending over backwards to be fair mm-hmm. and 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 to and, and I see a lot of people really trying to be fair and saying, mm-hmm. OK, well, I don't like what he said then. But this is what really, you know, like the the insurrection was bad. But, you know, this is the way they phrase it. It's they're fair. I, they're not fucking fair on Fox and forget OAN and Fox News. I mean, uh, Newsmax. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, I don't think that they're in a bubble. But I do think that they have to follow certain rules that maybe kind of silences them in areas where they would rather say something else, but they can't. And, you know, of course that's natural, but I think the, the bigger picture though, is that there are too many shows, whether it's on CNN or MSNBC that allow these white supremacists to come on and spew a bunch of bullshit. And, and like Chuck Todd, he just accepts it. He doesn't challenge them. He doesn't. <sighs> occasionally he'll come back with a, you know, hey, wait a minute. But most of the time he just he just lets it hang there. And he never mm-hmm. he never says anything. As if it's as if this is my my issue. And I think this is where we kind of went wrong, uh, you know, year decades ago. And mm-hmm. was really kind of screwed us over. And actually, I remember having this conversation with you in 2010. This is the exact <laughs> same conversation. Oh, my God. I'm getting a flashback now. Um, well, we were talking about the upcoming midterms uh, for in 2010 mm-hmm. after the ACA. 
where we it was bothering both of us the fact that that they were doing what they the false equivalent. Right. Well, here's a guy who thinks that uh, everybody's entitled to health care, mm-hmm. and here's a woman who thinks that uh, Barack Obama was born in, in right. In, Ken- in Kenya, you know, it's like, okay, no, they're not the same. No. <laughs> you know, they're not the same. One person is, has an opinion that mm-hmm. you may or may not agree with. The other person is nuts, it's nuts you know, and we have yeah. to start calling nuts, nuts. Mm-hmm. We, you know, there is no pizza parlor in the Midwest with a basement <laughs> where people are worshiping Satan and eating babies. That's not happening and we're not going to pretend like it is yeah. you know, the the thing about it the thing about the democratic party and i'm not sure how jamie harrison is going to handle all of this mm-hmm. there's so much that we need to fix and we can't just rely on republicans continuously these days shooting themselves in the foot like for example marjorie taylor green didn't necessarily win her mm-hmm. seat yeah. because she was everything that she ran unopposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, yeah. She ran unopposed. So what were people, what are people in her district in Georgia supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Now they probably would have voted for the Republican anyway, mm-hmm. but there was absolutely no choice. Mm-hmm. And so we need to look at that. I mean, that's, she's one example and mm-hmm. she's yes, an extreme example, but I think that, one of the things that's starting to change, and I think started to change in 2018, which is one of my examples of why I think the Republican Party is not necessarily successful unless unless you have a Trump, mm-hmm. a person named Trump on the ballot, um, is that um, in 2018, things started to change. It wasn't just a reaction against, you know, for, you know, against um, uh Trump, it was, but a lot of people started to run who a lot of those freshman congresswomen mm-hmm. never ran for anything else. Yeah. This was their very first campaign. Yeah. It was, it was OAC, AOC's right. very first campaign. Yeah. Um, all of them. So they were inspired to run. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, where I think as Democrats, uh, like we need new blood. Mm-hmm. We need women in particular. Mm-hmm. We need women of color, mm-hmm. especially, mm-hmm. and especially at a local level. I think yes. Texas shows us nothing. Mm-hmm. It shows us that government is is local. <laughs> yeah, it starts local, and and you know, for all the griping we want to do about oh, Texas kind of made their own bed. You know, a lot of them just didn't. Yeah. A lot of them really didn't. No, a and lot of them didn't vote for too. those people. Yeah. And they got crappy leadership, mm-hmm. whether they voted for it or not. Right. And that is sad for me. And there was yeah. a, and a lot of people, I think a lot of Democrats look at Texas and think I'm not even gonna bother to run. Yeah. Exactly. Because why should I? Yeah. Well, I remember hearing I th- it was before the election. Uh, what well, was after the 2018 midterms and then before this election that especially after the 2018 when Beto came so close to beating Ted Cruz that people were mm-hmm. saying, you know, before I just figured there's no there's not there's no point that right. the Republicans are going to win. And part of that problem and like you brought up Jamie Harrison and I hope that Jamie Harrison because we've got the War- Warnock situation where when he was running in Georgia, he didn't get any attention from the party. He came in mm-hmm. on his own and he finally got attention. It, it reminds me of fucking agents in Hollywood. It's like if you've got a lot on your resume, everybody wants a piece of you. But if you don't mm-hmm. you could be the greatest fucking actor in the whole world. And if you don't have anything on your resume, 
you never get sent out for anything and you're just sitting there in a pile and and being ignored kind of same thing happened with warnock where the the dnc wasn't paying any attention to him until he proved that you know he was worthy of it and that's great and i'm glad that they eventually did but it's time for the democratic party to start investing in solid democrats maybe we've never heard of them before but that doesn't mean they're shitty you know what i mean mm-hmm. and they should be investing in these red states because you know we need to get rid of gerrymandering that's another huge problem but yeah. but until then i think you know we we shouldn't be I know that there are states that are more red than others. So I think what we need, what we should initially focus on are states like right now, you look at Texas and, you know, that they were wondering if, if Donald, uh, or I'm sorry, if Joe Biden was going to win Texas, it was in play. He came closer than they thought he would. And the same thing is true of Ohio. Yeah. Ohio and Texas are on the brink. Well, and Ohio occasionally leans purple. Right. You never know. You know, Ohio and Texas are, are states that could, could be flipped you know the the problem uh, that a lot of states have is gerrymandering on a state level mm-hmm. where they end up being in control of the state legislature and getting to pass all of these laws that inhibit people's ability to vote mm-hmm. and by the time you run it through the supreme court um you know it ta- you know people there's already two elections have passed and there you go yeah um hopefully they you know we've got the the um for the people act and and that's uh, actually those are it's, uh, I think it's House Resolution 1 and also Senate Resolution, Senate Bill 1. Mm-hmm. So they're both the first legislation that have been proposed in both the House and the Senate. Um, obviously, the COVID relief is going to go mm-hmm. through first. Right, and right. I was kind of hoping they would do that. They would consider doing the voting, the voting, uh, the For the People Act uh, through reconciliation because there is a budgetary aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the parliamentarian is going to mm-hmm. let them get away with that because it's yeah. not a big enough uh, involvement in the right. budget that I think it qualifies for reconciliation. That would be more the infrastructure bill. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, we need to do it before the midterms for sure. We need to get rid of this horrific gerrymandering before yes. the midterms. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope we can. But I just I hope that. I don't know. I think just like as a nation, though, going back to what I was saying about like this mash thing and watching all of the Mm -hmm. they were black, white doctors giving this racist a hard time, basically Mm -hmm. mocking him and making him feel embarrassed. And that's that's how it should be. You know, I mean, it's funny Mm -hmm. because Bob's uh, parents live in Virginia and sometimes, you know, we'll drive down there. And I remember one time we were on the highway and there was this fucking ginormous confederate flag i mean it was huge i don't know where like who would put it up but it it wasn't a billboard and and it wasn't it might have been a flag but it was like enormous and i just Mm -hmm. you know i just feel like i I would walk into some of those you know stop and get a pepsi somewhere and it was like one of these rural little stores and they look like you know filled with trump supporters wearing Mm -hmm. that weird um that weird army what is that new that new army gear th- shit they wear that's like brown and white and gray it's so fucking ugly <laughs> it's like and they're just like head to toe it's militia it's like yes. a militia uniform they yes. were all wearing it uh, you know all the proud boys yes. or oath keepers whoever was marching up those stairs mm-hmm. holding each other's backpack i mean that was just yeah. freakish yeah it's so coordinated and so awful i i honestly i I have nightmares about that. I know that. it's just um, that's what I, what that was the worry. But but you know I, I get what you're saying. There used to be a time. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm, I'm I think I'm like ten years older than you are. Yeah. There used to be a time when um, 
when racism was like you just didn't no, I mean people right. were racist but you just it was like your underwear you didn't like <laughs> wear it out on display totally for everybody to see yeah I mean it's not that we of course racism has always been there always but mm-hmm. it's it wasn't accepted and it's mm-hmm. just Trump I mean it's Trump didn't start it clearly I think you know it got worse with Obama because the racists lost their fucking minds when a black person became the president of the United States and it just mm-hmm. made them crazy and they behaved that way and they would hang nooses. I mean, I remember writing a story on some guy in a red state putting up like a, it was a noose and there was a watermelon in it and there was like a black trench coat or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was like, this wasn't happening before Obama. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, there were racists before Obama, but they didn't feel emboldened. And then Trump made it even worse. And the Republican Party now is 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 they've gotten to the point where if they go on and they tell lies or they say racist things and you counter them, they get so indignant. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that the liberals can't say, oh, well, I'm sorry. No, mm-hmm. you're a racist. You're lying. You can't be on my show. You, yes. We're calling you a liar and we're calling you a racist. Hey, it's like uh, my favorite line of any campaign is like, I'm not calling you a racist. Racists are calling you yeah, racist. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's racist think you're racist. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I call you. Right. Racists have picked you. The white supremacists have picked you. Mm-hmm. So they think you are racist. Mm-hmm. And that's really all you should concern yourself with. If you don't yeah. want to lie down with those dogs, if you don't want to get up with those fleas, then don't lie down with those exactly. dogs. Exactly. You know, but the other thing, really good point that you made was investing. And I think that this is really important. And I think it's the future of the Democratic Party is basically going into to smaller states, smaller districts in Georgia, mm-hmm. in Ohio, in Texas, and finding out where the the drought, the Democratic drought is. Yeah. You know, where can we mm-hmm. where can we recruit? What like here's the thing. Let's just say that you're uh, an activist woman who feels like she has no voice and you live in, you know, in Waco, Texas or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, somebody or a, you know, just outside of Waco, Texas, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, you know, we have this candidate, this Republican candidate, he's running unopposed. We'll back you as the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and and you can run against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll probably lose. Mm-hmm. You there, There's every chance in the world you lose. But what have you got to lose? Yeah. It's not like it's your money. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and if we start, I believe, if you give people especially, you know, that 33,000 people defected from the Republican Party hmm. between January 7th oh, and wow. February 7th, Interesting. 33,000, as opposed to 3,000 Democrats. Right. That was be, it was in direct response to the I don't think that Republicans are as happy about this, about right. the insurrection, about the results of the impeachment yeah. that that Republicans think they are. Right. They're so out of touch. And 71% of, of, of even Republicans think that the COVID relief bill is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But try and get a Republican yeah, I on know. board to vote for it. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I still wonder. I'm always going to wonder that not only, okay, now we know that, I mean, everybody calls them Leningrad, Lindsay, and what, is the, what do the Russians have on you? Maybe the Russians have something on Lindsay, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Trump has shit on Lindsay. Because oh, Trump, no, I believe yeah, that he does. Yeah, yeah, Trump engaged in that blackmail shit way before he became the president. He was hanging out with Russians and behaving, you know, he learned from the Russians that were using him. 
how to do some of this shit. Now, I don't know if he learned the black belt thing from the Russians, but I'm just saying that it was something he he used in his business. And I mean, you know, Noel Kasler was on my show talking about, I think, you know, I imagine that I saw somebody in a thread talk about this on Twitter, but then Noel Kasler said that there was some kind of like with the Epstein thing where Epstein would invite all these rich people over and then send them off into a room with the girl, which we know is true now because fucking whatever her name is, Ghislaine, Ghislaine said that there was video of Trump and of Clinton and that there that somebody had said something along the lines of that there were cameras all over the place. So it's like there's hidden cameras there. You send a, a wealthy man into a room with an underage girl. Boom, you've got him. Mm-hmm. And you, you own the guy. So I'm sure that, you know, when Trump, whether it was before or when he became president, it's like, go get the fucking dirt. And, you know, there's dirt on Lindsey Graham. And, you know, I, I, I never want to say, even though everybody else is saying it, it's not that he's gay. <laughs> Who gives a shit he's gay? That, but, you know, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll just say it. There, there is a rumor out there, and, and I've seen it in comments on Twitter mm-hmm. from people I don't even know. But there's a rumor that he, he paid underage, uh, underage escorts back in the day in D.C., male escorts. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, nobody gives a shit if the dude is gay. No one cares. It's right. just, you know, if they're underage, that's different. And frankly, I don't even care if he paid an escort. I really don't mm-hmm. care. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously if, if a liberal person were caught doing something like that, I think that we would have a problem with them as a senator or something. But really in the end, I don't give a shit what you do with your sex life. Stay away from the kids. But mm-hmm. do whatever you want with your sex life as long as it's consensual and fine. But, you know, I, I think that probably is what Lindsey Graham is freaking out about if there is really something on him it's, or money laundering, if he's involved in any kind of money laundering scheme. I know that yeah. the Russians have given, you know, have given the Republicans money. And I'm sure the Russians also have, you know, evidently they've been after Trump for 40 years. If they've been after Trump, they've been after all kinds of Republicans. And the thing is, is Republicans are, most of them are fucking greedy. And so you don't have, it it doesn't take much to be able to blackmail them. And I mean, Democrats can be blackmailed too, but it just depends on how greedy you are and how much you're willing to risk. And I think Republicans are a little bit more brazen and a lot more greedy. And so I think there's a lot of them that's like, you know, whether or not they're reading the room, I think what they're reading is their own worry about, is this going to be outed? Am I going to be outed? Is this secret Mm -hmm. about me cheating on my wife or whatever it is that, you know, Trump or whoever has on them? I think that's why they're going along with it because, boy, Lindsey Graham sure did a 180 real fast in his opinion of Trump. Well, but it has to be something with Lindsey. It has to be something you can't come back from. Because right. honestly, you would just do your male culpa and get it over. Right. With. Like if you, if I mean, the fact is, people in his home state love him. In South Carolina, just love him. Yeah. If he came out as gay, no one would care. No one would care. <laughs> He'd still get reelected. Yeah. It's not that. It's something, it's something else. else. And I don't. I'm not even going to speculate about what it is. But it has to be bad enough that it did turn him as a you know 180 mm-hmm. yeah. uh, completely a 180 because now he's saying he never said any of those things mm-hmm. and we have him on <laughs> saying those things Idiot. you know so um you know that that trump was a racist a, what yeah. is it race baiting yeah. something something right. bigot um but we have him on tape saying that yeah and that's like gold you know exactly and saying wonderful things about joe biden and that's right like gold. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but you know the part that kills me is this is that they're back like we just spent a week 
watching this horrific tape yeah. based that that was the fans of which were flamed by this lie. Mm-hmm. And here they are back on the Sunday talk shows mm-hmm. telling the lie. Yep. Johnson, Ron Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, all these people getting up there. John Cornyn telling these lies all over again yeah like uh, like somehow it's a it's a whole new thing you know it's like oh you know we, we're going back to talking about that because uh why because there can't be another insurrection yeah you know and like i said march 4th is coming i have no idea what is going to happen with march yeah 4th. that's definitely keeping your eyes so basically on march 4th let me isn't that when QAnon thinks that trump is going to become Trump's president going yeah. to come back right that that joe biden will be arrested publicly oh executed they do believe this they've said wow. this that he'll be arrested immediately executed and that donald trump will be and i don't think they've said crowned but that's what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. you know wow. that he'll resume being president right. again you know i'm interested in i'm i'm kind of uh, i'll say this out loud just so that it's sort of out in the ether the right. cpac starts on the 25th yeah and Trump is supposed to speak, and I'm I'm sort of on the fence as to how he's going to handle that. Mm-hmm. It's going to could go one of two ways. Either he's going to stick to the script, which you know they want him to do, right? And just be very sane and reasonable and rational. <laughs> yeah. But you know he's been muzzled. Yes, I don't think they're going to be able to keep him on a script. Yeah. to save their lives, <laughs> and I'm a little kind of excited about it. I want to see where it's going to go. Yeah, now that you say that, it's like, oh God, that's yeah, so so true. That's so you interesting. Was he, he could stick he gonna... to the he could sit to the script, or right. a table could get flipped. We just don't know. <laughs> and I think we're all we're all looking forward to a table flipping. Although God only knows what he's going to tell people. Like because because what he could tell them, you know, mixed with March fourth, God only knows. Uh, you know the mm-hmm. the. Uh, the Federal Reserve or whatever it's called has to be on alert, high alert. What is it? The mm-hmm. Federal Reserve. What, what am I thinking of? Why can I never? My, my mind is so shot. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, anyway, you yes, know what I mean? Like all been stuck inside. Yes, <laughs> it is. But, you know, I want to ask you, uh, the last thing I want to bring up, unless you have something else. Uh, did you watch the uh, Alan Farrow thing last night? You know, I, I'm having a real, really hard time with that i in I what way can't. i mean just it's very triggering the whole story oh, is very triggering and i'm not even i've never even been sexually abused right but the the whole men lying or or and or false accusation thing you know i'm i'm going to watch it but i'm i just couldn't do it last night yeah. i i hear it's uh, interesting but a lot of people it's getting a lot of mixed reviews from people who are like you know no, he's right. No, she's right. No, she's telling the truth. No, she's a woman should be believed. And it's like, it's just so crazy right now. I Well, for I me, just... I, I will say, you know, before this came out, I remember watching Mia being interviewed somewhere, talking about these photos that he had left of Soon Yi. And, and last night she described them. Basically, she goes, it's not like it was Playboy. It was like Hustler. And mm-hmm. this is when Soon Yi was uh, of age. I think she mm-hmm. was a freshman in college or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, that was never disputed. And even last night when they brought it up, nobody disputed that. There, were, uh, there was Ronan. Ronan talked about it. So did Dylan. And the thing is, is that all the kids in that family were happy. Every, you know, Mia, according to those children, was a very good mother. Now, Soon Yi 
was clearly singled out by Woody. And what was interesting with Dylan, that she was talking last night, I mean, she didn't get into any of, uh, other than thumb, like he asked her to suck his thumb and mm-hmm. directed her on how to move her tongue. And, and, and we learned, you know, I've heard this before that I can't remember the phrase that was used, but it was something like um, intense affection or it was, it, it, it was inappropriate intensity with affection or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the hardest thing about this documentary to see, which hasn't been aired yet, is that video that Mia took of, of Dylan when she was young describing whatever happened. Now, I mean, I think the fact that the entire family was like, yeah, those pictures existed, um, and, and nobody's denied them. That mm-hmm. in and of itself, forget Dylan, which nobody should forget Dylan, but just take Dylan out of this picture right now. And he was a father figure to Soon Yi. Exactly. And that's really, that's where it comes down to. It's like yeah. that he cannot deny. Yeah. And, and, he cannot and deny. The fact that she's saying shit about Mia right now, I think because Dylan said last night when she learned about those photographs, you know, Mia told her, okay, he's taken some pictures of Soon Yi and they're bad and this and that. Dylan thought, oh, then I'm not the only one. So well, I do don't you know that, you know, that Claudia Previn, uh, that Andre Previn's oldest daughter is a friend of mine. And who's Claudia Previn? Uh, Andre Previn's oldest daughter. Okay. Well, who's so Andre she, then? Andre Previn was married to Mia Farrow. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sunyi Previn was Sunyi's first last name was Previn. She was oh, adopted. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, mean, I so knew she was adopted. There, but there's some personal knowledge here, and and she doesn't. Claudia doesn't. I, I know, she, we may have to edit this out. I have to think about this. <laughs> Should I talk about this? But in any case, basically, what she basically says is similar to what you were saying. Is yeah. that the kind of rift that existed? Yeah. Uh, didn't exist before he was a disruptive influence yes and the thing is is that you know i mean while sunyi was of age when she made these choices she was a little girl with woody Mm -hmm. allen around and when dylan said oh it wasn't only me you don't know because now sunyi is saying negative things about mia yet none of the other children are mia fucking Mm -hmm. adopted everybody you know she Mm -hmm. adopted everybody she's like fucking earth mother and you know i i i i Aside from wanting to believe women, I mean, her story is very compelling, and I believe Dylan, too. But here's the thing for me, is, I mean, I, I, when I heard the Sunyi thing, that was all I needed to hear. I don't care how old she was. I don't care that mm-hmm. she wasn't 15 and that she was 18 or 19. It's disgusting. And he mm-hmm. left it out for her to find. And the thing that bothers me more than anything is... The story we've heard a million fucking times where the, and it's not just white because it happened with Cosby, but it's like people knew, people understood that this guy was a terrible guy and they're like, I love Woody. I'll always work with Woody. Even Diane Keaton came out after he's married to fucking his girlfriend's daughter. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I love Diane Keaton, but she Mm -hmm. defended him. And there have been other female, young female ingenues who are so fucking happy that they got a part in a Woody Allen movie. And I, you know, I thought to myself when I was younger and I learned this, would I be able to overlook that and take it? You know, this could make my career being in a Woody Allen movie could make my career, but he fucked his girlfriend's daughter and I can't, (laughs) I just, Mm -hmm. I would never be able to do that. 
No. No. And, you know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, I've often asked people, I'm like, you know, people are like, well, there's never been any proof and blah, blah, blah. And like, the only proof is her is Dylan's test is Dylan's yeah. word. And by the way, what possible gain would she have yes. in coming out and being as public about it? That would be my question. I'm not saying she doesn't have a gain or that she's not a storyteller right. or whatever. I haven't even seen the documentary yet, but I will also tell you there's no percentage in it for her. Mm-hmm. Like no, lying about isn't. something like this at this stage of the game, there's no percentage. No, there is. You could just let it all die and move on. Yeah. And you know, this town people happily do that. Yeah. But um, but it's sort of like what you were saying. It doesn't matter. She was a child. Sunyi was still a child around him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how long he waited to. And by the way, some people call that grooming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's know, what he did. He groomed her. For that, and it yeah. could be grooming. Well, and the, the so, fact is that um, the other um, uh, Ronan was talking about it, and you know, every every time there was a party, Woody was just. Dylan's shadow he would just stare at her and there's pictures fucking video of it you know I mean you could Mm -hmm. just it's like he many times and it wasn't just one person confirming this it was multiple people who lived in the house who found that Dylan and you know Dylan would crawl into bed with Woody and she would be wearing her underwear and he was wearing his underwear and he would wrap himself around her in a way like you know it's like somebody could say oh that's affection if my father ever did that to me i would have been so fucking freaked out i never ever sl- laid down with my father and had like a, a very uh, like intimate affectionate cuddle i mean i mm-hmm. when i was a little girl my dad used to scratch my back and mm-hmm. you know and he'd want me to scratch his back because he liked having his back scratched but there was nothing inappropriate about it it wasn't weird it didn't make me feel weird and, and everyone was clothed at the time. And yeah, everybody had like... clothes on. And, you know, I mean, my father never made... I was really fortunate as a little girl because I was never made to feel uncomfortable by any man. There, there mm-hmm. were a few men that were weird and, you know, but I, w- I w- never felt threatened. I never felt that there was a... You know, I was at risk. And so, mm-hmm. and I was the little kid who was kind of afraid of things. So that would have fucking just like freaked me out so hard. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know that it's so prevalent. There's so many people who are molested by people they know and love. And I'm so grateful that that never happened to me. But I just, you know, think in terms of the way they were explaining Woody's behavior. And, you know, and Dylan was talking about how aside from, you know, I mean, she hasn't talked about any sexual inappropriateness at this point. What she talks about is just, never letting her out of his sights always being there constantly and it was like the re- uh, and this is not disputed either because Woody went to therapy for this and that mm-hmm. that's when they determined that he was inappropriately um, intense with her but it was because people had witnessed it a, a, a famous psychologist called Mia Farrow and she's like look the way that Mia, uh, that way that he's behaving with Dylan, there's something inappropriate about it. So that was what made Mia decide to send them to a therapist, and he agreed. And you know, he went to this, and and that's what the therapist determined. And you know, Mia was just struggling in her mind because it's like, why she even blame? You know, she's like, I'm the one who brought him into all of this, so it's my fault. Right. 
but you know yeah. she tried so hard to say well maybe you know he just loves her so hard and he's just never been around kids and he's not used to you know what what's right and it's like she was just trying to make excuses because she just didn't know how to deal with it and and it wasn't so in your but all of a sudden dylan becomes this child who's hiding she she would hide from him and he would you know he would want her to come out and you know if she were with other people he would be like come on come on and she's like no no and she tried to push him away and he just wouldn't let up and it was it was so creepy and and you know again for me it's the idea that we put these I remember when Cosby was first accused, if you had the fucking audacity to tweet about it, you would get eaten up. You were, Mm -hmm. you know, men would come to his defense so quickly. Women too, but really men, because women will hold up uh, the patriarchy. They'll hold up pedophiles and all of it. If, if for some reason, you know, whether it's they gain from it or if they can't deal with admitting it. And so the Mm. same thing happened when Michael Jackson, you know, when, when those two guys were interviewed by Oprah, if you thought that he was guilty and you said that on Twitter or someplace, Oh my God, the swarm of angriness and hate. And it's like, what about for these poor kids who are getting fucking abused? And these men who have tons of influence and power and money, they're being protected. And I'm so fucking sick of it. And it's like, I see people, you know, there's two sides to the story. No, there's really not. When he took fucking hustler pictures of of his girlfriend's daughter and then married her and groomed her. He absolutely groomed her. And so Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's makes me sick and I can't watch his movies anymore. And it's really sad because I used to love them when I lived in Russia, you know, we would get movies sent to us all the time. And that was the say it saved us because you know mm-hmm. russian television sucked and especially in <laughs> soviet russia so i mean you know we would get these betamax tapes and i mean i think i watched the movie sleeper like 150 fucking times i watched oh Annie. i love that yeah i love uh take the money and Ru- take the money take and the run money was one of run. my favorite movies and to this day there's still moments where i'll see a picture or like a still shot from take the money and run bullets over broadway yeah had me in stitches and, and that Hall. was coming that was like right before all this came in i'm like does this mean i can't like bullets or anymore? <laughs> I, I think it kind of does it does <laughs> it does because you know what one of my favorite films of his was Mar- uh husbands and wives and but it's so sickening because his obsession with the college student juliette lewis i mean it's playing out like the real life was playing out in that movie and it was well, so Mariel Hemingway, what was it? Um, Manhattan, yes. Mariel yes. Hemingway. Yes. And she was supposed to be 16 years old in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ew. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he, he is obsessed with sex and death. I mean, that's very clear. I mean, he had in the movie sleeper, there was the orgasmatron where, you know, you walk into that, like it looked like a phone booth or something. <laughs> You'd mm-hmm. hear them go, ah, 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 and then they'd have like their <laughs> orgasm. And it sucks <laughs> because I, I grew up with Woody Allen. I loved his movies and I loved Love and Death. I remember there was like a, there was a line in Love and Death when this woman says, you to him, you are a very good lover. And he said, I know, I practice a lot when I'm alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. Actually, Love and Death was very funny too because, you know, that was when, the Bergman movies were like right. huge. Yes. And it was such a per- a pitch perfect parody. Yes. You know, this is the part that kills me is like, and the same thing with Cosby, you know, my pastor just passed away um, mm. in November and he actually used to be an actor and he was on the, he had a recurring role on the Cosby show. Wow. He played in the last season of the Cosby show. He played, uh, Dabney who, uh, hmm. or Dabness who was, uh, oh, right. uh, Vanessa's, 
fiance. Yes. And oh, so wow. we were showing clips of, and it was the only reason we would have showed clips is because we want to see Bill in action again. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it. It made me really sad mm-hmm. that we can't love. That was a I great freaking show. It was. And he ruined it for all of us. He did. I can't watch it anymore. And I loved that show. I absolutely loved it. I love, I love, um, what's the, the oh God, the, the first, the, the little girl, the first one, because there was Olivia. Uh, not Raven. Um, not I know Raven. Keisha Knight Fulham. Yeah. But what was her name on the show? I can't Rudy. Remember. Rudy. That's right. Mm-hmm. She was so freaking cute and funny. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like watching them and ever. I loved that show. And so, you know, it's been, it, it has, it's been ruined for me. The same thing with Michael Jackson music. And it's not that I ever owned any Michael Jackson CDs or anything, but when I'm in the store, like I watched that thing with Oprah, I believe the guys. And if I'm in the grocery store, if I'm in the car, but specifically the grocery store, because I can't change the channel if I'm in the grocery mm-hmm. store. And I'll hear something, like I'll hear Beat It come on, or I'll hear, you know, uh, the Any Are You Okay song, whatever. That's my favorite one. And, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll start bopping around, but then I feel bad. I, I feel bad for enjoying it. And, you know, and it's like, I mean, that's up to me. Anybody can choose to continue to listen to their music or watch their shows or however they want to behave if they're able to separate it. But I'm not able to separate it. I, it's mm-hmm. like it makes me feel dirty now to tap my foot to a Michael Jackson song. And again, mm-hmm. he wasn't my favorite artist in the whole world, but give me a fucking break. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up with him and he, his music was insane. It was like his dancing. I mean, there was everything. And plus I knew people who danced with him. And that's the sad part because the people that I know to this day, I mean, I know them now pretty much on Facebook, but I mean, they were my neighbors and when I lived in Hollywood and they were doing all of the videos, they were doing Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson and, you know, the Taylor Danes and all that stuff. At that time, they were in all the music videos and the concerts. And I have friends that were in the Michael Jackson concert. So they were touring with him. But they will swear up and down that he's innocent. Because, again, it's like they feel they lose something. or Because they had a situation where they knew him and he was very generous with them, that's what they're going on and that's what they're sticking with. And it's like, well, but these other people... And it's like, okay, so the idea is that the people who are saying that Michael Jackson or Woody Allen or whoever raped them or assaulted them in any way and that they're supposed they're, they're looking for fame. Okay, can you tell me what the two guys' names are? I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you what the two guys' names were who talked yeah. about Michael Jackson. I, I remember one of them was, hadn't dealt with it quite as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, things were harder for him. But I think, I mean, it was hard for both of them, but I think one of them, the, the, there was one guy who kind of was found a better, healthier way to deal with it. The other one, you could, was like so fucking wounded. And you know, are they are they famous? Are they raking in the bucks? I mean, right. I, well, and that's just it. It's like, what is the gain? Well, right. like, you have to ask yourself, what's the gain? Yeah. Well, they just, you know, well, they want their 15 minutes of fame. To tell the story about how they were victimized exactly. by a famous person when they know that there's going to be a repercussion to that, yeah. I don't. I'm not buying that. I'm not saying it's not possible. Right. Of course, it's, anything is possible. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense no, to me. it doesn't now, resonate. But the other part of it, too, is people always assume that because they know somebody in one venue, right. that they know them in every other exactly. venue. And I think that that's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these guys all yeah. have tremendous work. They wouldn't be where they are today if they don't have tremendous work ethics. Yeah. So what they're doing on the set mm-hmm. may not be what they're doing 
in their private lives mm-hmm. at home. You know, they were, I was uh, watching this whole uh, Peter Nygaard thing um, uh, on, um, which is Peter Nygaard's the guy that owns Nygaard clothing. And he, it was a popular line at Dillard's. And he turns out that he's just basically spent, he spent years raping women, just wow. literally not even seducing them. Or I mean, and I mean, girls like 14, 15 year old girls wow. where he would just manage to get them alone, force them down, rape them or sodomize them. And, and he would trap them. It was very Jerry Jeffrey Epstein. He wow. would trap them in his little Bahamian yeah. refuge. And they finally got him. He's now, like, he's in prison. I was just, this month, was denied bail. Hmm. So he's in jail. But um, fathered, like, nine children. Um, and all of these people knew. They knew mm-hmm. what was going on and said nothing mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. each of them had mm-hmm. mostly because they were afraid of him well and also because they were death threats and yeah. they were bomb you know attempted bombings and stuff like that yeah. they they haven't pinned any of those on him but people were afraid for their lives yeah. um or that's what they say and i believe them i believe wow. them. yeah but i it's, mean it's fucked up it's really fucked up in our culture for some reason i mean and they're not you know people were not as uh friendly toward mary kay Letourneau, who Mm-hmm. married you know her student and started right. having an affair with him they 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 all hated her which i mean you know she was wrong she fucking abused a kid she was a pedophile mm-hmm. but um right. still it's like well the woman does it oh she's terrible but a man a, a man who's a millionaire and has a lot of influence in the entertainment industry well i'm gonna look the other way and it really sucks because i'm just you know it's like after it came out that those photographs were found by Mia, and Mia said it herself, well, there's something wrong with Mia, and she's peculiar, and she's weird, so she's probably lying. You know, mm-hmm. and, then, and then it turns out, no, she's not lying. Other people in the family are, are saying, yes, there were pictures. Maybe they didn't see the pictures, but they were told about the pictures at the time. And well, why would you show the pictures exactly. to people in your family? You I wouldn't. mean, those are, they're filthy pictures. Right. And, um, and he, that's the part when you said that, that really, he left that. Yeah. I, mean, I think about this as a mother. I'm yeah. a mother of a daughter. Yeah. I think about what would I feel like if I came across that? If and your fucking did boyfriend did it. Yeah. I mean, God, I'd want to kill him. It's just, ugh. Yeah. I, I would want to anyway, murder him. Gross, yeah. <laughs> like I would yeah. risk going to jail to murder the fucking guy who did that to my daughter. I would just, well, I would but you also know, crazy. you know, you think about it. Me too. Hasn't, it hasn't been that long. Yeah. You know, we think that it's sort of been going on for a while because it's gone on longer than any of us expected, this mm-hmm. whole backlash. But um, Harvey Weinstein, this was all only, when did, mm-hmm. you know, this is like... 20, seven, I think it's 2018. 17? 17 or 2007, maybe 18? 17. Yeah, I actually think it was 17. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was 17. When Rose McGowan came out, was it yes. 2017? Yeah. And no one believed her the first time she mm-hmm. told the story. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, oh yeah, I got my Harvey Weinstein story. Yeah. And like, wasn't it a revelation? All of a sudden... The story, it's like the world cracked open Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, what's her face? Uh, You know, all the news anchors, female news anchors are telling their stories. And and it's like, oh, my God, everybody's got a Me Too story. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a Me Too story. And you think it was only you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and it's like, and I was actually, I was so mad at Fran Lebowitz because she was like, well, what do people, ex-, you know, she, Fran Lebowitz, <laughs> Fran Lebowitz, she's like, what do you, what do actresses expect <laughs> if they want to get ahead? They have to spread their leg. I'm like, no, Fran, no. I love you, but 
shut up. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's that's just feeding that patriarchy. Don't want to do that. So. <laughs> well, but I mean, she comes from a different time exactly. where this is the casting couch was the story, and right. you and I were actresses mm-hmm. when the casting couch was the story. Mm-hmm. You know, or and even if no one ever approached you that way, the implication about the fact that your body wasn't yours, yeah, was so intense mm-hmm. yeah and, it, and we're still trying to break away from that that our bodies yeah. actually belong to us that we have bodily autonomy mm-hmm. and we get to say no mm-hmm. and you know uh the it's just I mean, the fact that like the rape charges or the rape lawsuit um what's her name jean um oh e jean carroll yeah thank you yeah she's going forward with her lawsuit i'm so and, glad yeah um because you know she he called her a liar and yeah. all that it, it's just like uh, we have we get to say no mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how right. powerful you are he has to listen and the one thing you know I was thinking about this last night I mean I, I do not want to take away okay first of all there are human behaviors where human to human they treat each other like shit right so mm-hmm. in a relationship with a male and a female sometimes the woman is 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 an asshole sometimes it's the man who's an asshole so i don't want to take away from the normal normal shit that we give each other and i and i will also say yes there are women who are physically abusive with men and there is a problem with the fact that men don't want to come forward with this because it's humiliating on top of of you know i mean it's humiliating that if someone were to find out that a woman was being abusive towards you physically it's it's an embarrassing thing as well as a painful thing um but the there's a difference with you know even though women can be assholes women can be liars and and they can be troublemakers and all that shit not denying it but but the difference is as a woman you there's a there's a threat that you face even if you're not facing it directly that men don't face I mean, one perfect example is when you meet a, a person online, most of the time, and I, I can't speak for every woman, but when I was, you know, dipping my toe in the online dating, everybody knew the guy's name and mm-hmm. phone number and where he worked. I told my mother, I told my friends, I was meeting him at a public place. I always made sure that I was never going to be alone with that person. And I didn't want to be in a fucking car garage with the person. I want to park on mm-hmm. the street. And men don't think about that. They don't tell all their friends the phone numbers. And I mean, maybe one out of a million men might think, oh, I better protect myself against this scary woman that I'm going to meet. But, you know, it's like you you meet somebody online and you don't know what their fucking story is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, men, there is a fear there. It's like the, the same reason why you walk down the street with keys between your fingers. Men don't do that. You know, I mean, my, my boyfriend is 6'4 and muscular and... I get worried if he's going to go walk at night to somewhere. And I'm like, be careful. He's like, nobody fucks with me. And that's mm-hmm. his, you know, he, he's used to. He, but me, if I go outside at night, I'm looking around. I'm mm-hmm. making sure that there's nobody. And, and the thing is, is most rapes don't happen from the, from the scary guy who jumps out of the bush. It's usually the guy you know and that you let right. into your house. But still, there's still the who's, you know, is there someone hiding in the backseat of my car? Because you always get those emails, right, that tell you, don't wear a <laughs> ponytail. The, those, those guys like your ponytails and there's some guy hiding in the backseat of your car and, you know, beep. And, and, and the thing is, is that whether or not that threat is legitimate, it is kind of legitimate because you do hear those stories happen occasionally. And so you always have to be aware and men just have the luxury of not having to worry 
to think about it. Well, yeah. it's like, you know, Margaret Atwood's famous statement, uh, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid men will kill yes. them. And this is the truth when you're walking through. I mean, the truth of it is borne out when you're walking through a parking lot and somebody calls to you, mm-hmm. cat calls you, and then expects you to respond to yes. them. Yes. And then it's like, are you too good for me? Yeah. Um, actually, I kind of am. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you're living in your car. So, yeah, I, I am kind of too good for you. Um, <laughs> but um, most people would be. But, yeah. um, but you know, the fact is that's a threat. Mm-hmm. There's an implied threat there that he's going to follow you. And they often have. Yeah. They'll follow you down the street. You know, uh, they'll, you know, and they'll catcall you all mm-hmm. the way. That's just. That's a physical threat to your person. Yeah. Men don't get that. No, they and, just don't. And a man who doesn't understand that is not someone I'm interested in because exactly. I don't I, I don't expect you to have experienced that personally. Mm-hmm. I expect you to but you remember it's it's interesting because men have this kind of little this little bond. It's that Gillette commercial <sighs> where for a second and a half mm-hmm. men were being asked not to be assholes. Yeah. You know, and in the commercial, the guys stop each other from being assholes. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, you would have thought that they were eating newborn baby kittens (laughs) on camera. I know. God forbid. And it's so it's so true. And it really and and, and men just don't understand that particular experience of being a woman. And of course, that doesn't mean that we think all men are dangerous. And I just have to throw that in there because there's always somebody who's like, oh, man. And it's like, you know, but of course we don't think that. But that the, the problem is, is that. You could be a woman who doesn't have a major fear of all men, but there's one in 10. Which one are you? Which Wait, uh, well, that's you know? just it. It's like, if I don't know you, how do I know you're mm-hmm. one of the nice guys? And yeah. by the way, it's like I was reading a romance novel, and I love this line. It's now my new favorite line, where the girl starts to go home with the guy she just met in the bar, and her sister says, look, he looks like a nice guy, but so did Ted Bundy. And she turns to the guy and goes, no offense. And he goes, that's okay. Ted Bundy ruined it for all of us. You know, it's true. You don't yes. know whether yeah. this guy is a nice guy. Or he's Ted Bundy. Yeah. Ted Bundy looked like a perfectly nice guy. Exactly. And the other the other part of it too is, you know, there's some as if somehow there's sort of this, this, you know, like uh, you're somehow a bro trader if if a guy steps forward and says, "Hey, that's yeah. kind of assholeish behavior. You yeah. shouldn't do that." Right. You know, they'll just let the man do the cat call. I'll do the cat call, and you just <laughs> sit there like a pussy. You know, it's like, dude, no. I think, know, yeah, I saw, some, I saw someone on Twitter say something like, okay, so there was a man and a woman and they were walking together and I, I, I don't know, it, I don't remember the deal, but it was like maybe the guy had long hair. So they thought mm-hmm. it was two girls and they got cat called or whatever. And then it turns out, oh, okay, you're with a guy. The cat caller apologized to the man, not to the woman that he was cat, you know what I mean? Apologized to the man. So I think, you know, we're, 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 we're still dealing, you know, and, and I'll say that this is, and I've told this before, but I think it's, bar- it's worth repeating that when I was 20, I don't know, 21, I met this guy who was hot babe. He was really cute. I met him at a party and we just, I really liked him and he liked me and we were having so much fun. And I wound up, it was, I drove him home. It was two o'clock in the morning and I, in, in a split, you know, he asked me, do I want to come in? I was not thinking he's trying to fuck me. 
I just mm-hmm. liked him and I wanted the night to keep going. If it were three o'clock in the afternoon, this wouldn't have been an issue, but it was two o'clock in the morning. And so mm-hmm. I went inside his house, inside his apartment. Then he was just being a typical guy. He, of course, he wanted to have sex. And so he's putting the moves on. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what if he's a rapist? What if I try to leave and he tries to rape me and then I'm scarred for life? If I just consent, because, yeah, I think he's cute, even though I'm not mentally prepared yet to have sex with him, um, I'll just have sex with him. I'll give him the consent. It was like, and and he didn't coerce me. It was the societal pressure of understanding that that a man could hurt me. There's that Mm -hmm. threat there that I could get hurt. And and so I'm not going to blame him per se for that choice because he didn't do anything wrong. And then, of course, later I got to know him. Years later, I went out with him again, much later, like when I was in my 40s. Um, I do not believe he would have raped me, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know. And I, and, and, you know, I mean, I chose to have sex with him. It was okay. It wasn't great because I didn't really know him and I wasn't very comfortable with it. But, but that's the choice I made based on, you know, the, the culture, the rape culture basically said, all right, well, this is the safer choice for me. I I will take this risk uh, just because I'd rather not get raped. And even though I can look back now and say, okay, the dude's not, was never a rapist. I didn't know. And, you know, it's, it'd be nice if, if more men would just recognize that instead of say, why do you hate men? Why do you think all men are rapists? It's like, no, we don't. But we just never know. We don't know which we ones are. We just don't are. know if you are or yeah. you aren't yet. Yeah. And just because you just say you're yet. not. That's yeah. It. Just because you say you're not doesn't mean we should automatically trust you. Ted Bundy said he wasn't a rapist, serial murderer, too. You know, right. Turned out he was completely unbelievable and incredible in the situation. Uh, <laughs> but, wow. but I also think, too, that there's a pressure on women. Like, when you put, like, uh, and I'm going to say this this way, but I think you know what I mean. When you, quote, put yourself in that position, yeah. unquote, Right. In a weird That's way, what I back then, it was almost consent. Well, why'd you come up to my room? Exactly. Why'd you want to have sex with me? Why'd you want to meet me? Because we didn't want the night to end. Right. Because we were enjoying spending time with you, and we didn't want the night to end. It didn't necessarily mean we wanted it to culminate in sex. Exactly. Because you and I just met, I don't know, uh, three and a half hours ago. Exactly. And it, again, if it were three o'clock in the afternoon, the expectation, you know, what, what difference there, right? does it make that, that time should make, but it's at night and maybe you've had a couple of drinks. And now, you know, I saw that fucking movie with Jodie Foster, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know how easy it is. And I understood at that young age that, Oh, well, if I were to ever, you know, if I got raped and I wanted to go to the cops, then I'm the one who's going to have to go through this terrible experience. Because and the first question they're going to ask you is, well, where'd you go to his apartment right. at three o'clock in the morning? You know, because yeah. um, he was cute and I didn't yeah. want, the, I wanted to talk to him more. I wanted to spend more time with him. I didn't want the evening to end. Exactly. Um, but again, that's not consent to sex. No. And, and we're starting to kind of make those nuanced differentiations but i think we're still miles away we're miles i I mean with the idea of like the woman could could be making out they could be doing everything they could be at third base and if she says no she says no he that he Mm -hmm. just because he has a boner doesn't mean he's allowed to penetrate her And, Mm -hmm. and and that is something that men will still some men still think that that's their right you know, I don't think it's every man. I think that it's it's getting better. But there is this kind of like, you owe it to me because you got me right. hard. So go jerk off. Right. You know, right. what's stopping well, you from jerking off? I think off? the other part of it, too, is 
this is an interesting thing too about male audacity and and in a weird way i kind of envy it the idea of being you know i my uh i recently found out that that a white man that i know uh have known for years and years and years has basically been saying uh he basically made an argument with savannah he and savannah were having an argument about this he said something to savannah like well i've never experienced racism or sexism i've never seen it with my own eyes so it doesn't exist he's white he's a man yeah He's never personally experienced racism or sexism. So it, so doesn't, it doesn't exist. exist. And I thought to myself, the audacity right. of that is almost admirable. <laughs> you know, it, it's like enviable <laughs> to be able to be that mediocre and that limited <laughs> and to be able to just say this with right. now, I, I'll be perfectly frank with you. I think he was trolling her. Yeah. But I mean, I think he was just screwing with her. But but the fact is, a lot of men think that way. Yeah. If it's not inside my noggin mm-hmm. or my personal well, and bubble, I think we can we can say the same for some of these Karens out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the these women who want to speak to the manager all the time. And just I just want to clarify for the audience: Savannah is your daughter, right? Yes, she is. Yes. Sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like the, I th- there's plenty of of people. I mean, men specifically, just because of patriarchy. I mean, they've got it easy. You know, they've mm-hmm. got it easy because this. This culture that we live in is dominated by men, period. Yes, there, yes, we see women rising, but it's like I, I still take offense to being overly excited about finally having a woman vice president because it's like, oh, my God, we sh- I mean, we should have had a woman president. We should have had a woman col- of color president more mm-hmm. than once since I've been right. born, since before I've been born. You know, so it's like as much as I'm grateful for it and I feel like, yay, glass ceiling is broken, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, look at New Zealand. Look at Germany. Look at all these other places that have women leaders. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed like, to be look this Look at great- India. Yeah. India's <laughs> one of the most patriarchal cultures. And then how many female leaders have they had? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just insane. It's insane how we've gone. And, you know, part of it, I think, I don't, I believe that it's just, I'll be honest with you. I think it's, I think it's evangelical Christianity that has yeah. been our biggest. It and has. I say this as a Christian, by the way, full yeah. disclosure, I'm a Christian. Yeah. But I believe that evangelical What's Christianity the, yeah. has been the albatross. It's the evangelical because it's like, look, you know, I mean, I'm not religious at all, but I, I you know, I, I, I hate that whole spiritual, but not religious, but I am, I am very spiritual. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, some of the stuff that I either believe in or I theorize about is not so very far away from some of the things that I've heard about Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that Christianity and Catholicism and all of it has, you know, there, there are some really great things. I can just take my, my, my maternal grandmother, for example, one of the kindest, most evolved souls of my life that, I, that I've ever known in my life. And she was a Catholic. And, you know, I mean, she never pushed it on me. She never she never judged anybody ever. In fact, when I would complain about, you know, family members or whatever, she would always look for the kind thing to say or she would try to make me find the good thing in them instead of just bitching and complaining about them. And so, I mean, I you know, and I know that religion, especially organized religion, comes with its own shit. But I think that it's also there's a lot of benefit to it. And it really is about when it when it's when it's weaponized, when people use it to mm-hmm. control others. And that's the problem. It's like you could say the same thing about like psychics and, and all of that stuff. It's like I think there are genuine psychics out there who know what they're doing, but then there's so many bullshitters and shysters mm-hmm. that, that right. it, it, it ruins it all. And it's like, it, you know, I mean, I, of course, the Catholic priests who are raping little boys, that kind of 
fuck things up, <laughs> you know, but it's, well, and I but think, it's not you know, all I, of I, them. I mean, that's again, don't touch the children. Don't, don't touch, touch the, children. the children. Right. But the, but the other part of it, uh, the, for me, the evangelical Christian, it's how it's crept into. And this is, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to blame Ronald Reagan and it probably yeah. isn't his fault, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to blame him anyway, cause he's dead and I can, um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that we've given evangelicals a voice in our political structure mm-hmm. is a mistake. You know, Ron Reagan Jr.'s my favorite yes. commercial. It's one yeah. of, you know, Ron Reagan Jr., you know, <laughs> dedicated atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. You know, we need to get religion. And I say this as somebody who is profoundly has a profound spiritual belief mm-hmm. out of government It's mm-hmm. what i believe is what i believe and i don't ask you to live your life yeah. by my beliefs right. and when other christians and i believe that it's evangelical christianity which is can be extraordinarily racist mm-hmm. extraordinarily sexist mm-hmm. and because it's been given such a dominant position yeah in our country, both politically and also culturally. Yes. You know, it's crazy. And, and I, again, it's like you were saying, you know what? Sure. Catholicism is, you know, in, is runs France practically, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's a, it's a different ball game. They yeah. still, and maybe it isn't, I, sh- I shouldn't say, I don't know the structure of France <laughs> that much, but you know, whenever you give, uh, priests or pastors or whatever a huge say in where your politics mm-hmm. goes i promise you women are not going to get ahead no i promise you it's going to be a more racist right uh situation so we need to like stop that and yeah. we need to really pull that out and pull back on that but uh, it's like you were saying you know the, i well clinton was such a she was such a trouble. I would say this, and I've told you about my friend, Michael Shore, who mm-hmm. uh, I worked with at Al Jazeera America. He was mm-hmm. the national political consultant, uh, political reporter, correspondent at Al Jazeera America when I worked there. And I remember standing in the kitchen in 2015 when Hillary Clinton announced. And I turned to him and I said, oh, man, I'm going to have to vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and he goes, what's wrong with Hillary Clinton? And I said, well, nothing really, except for I kind of promised I wouldn't ever vote for anybody who voted to send us to a war. We're still in, by the way, mm-hmm. like 12 years down the road back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost 20. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, he, he was like, well, you know, she's, you know, but he, she has all these benefits and she's really experienced. And we went on and had a big, long discussion about it. Michael's incredibly knowledgeable in ways that I will never be <laughs> about politics. But um, I remember thinking at the time she was a troubled candidate mm-hmm. and that we were. And this was before Trump took that trip down mm-hmm. the escalator. Wow. And I remember thinking we have our hands full here mm-hmm. to make her appealing. Mm hmm. To the rest of, you know, yeah. like had another woman be the first legitimate candidate. And I, I don't even mean this as a diss on Hillary Clinton because a lot of the accusations is are unfounded and false. Mm-hmm. She's inc- she's an incredibly competent woman, but she also came with a lot of baggage. Yeah, she absolutely did. Although I will say this, because when she was running, it was like, oh, well, if it was just Elizabeth Warren, I would vote for Elizabeth Warren. And we all saw what happened with Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. this time exactly. around. They, they came up with an excuse why it couldn't be Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, I mean, I, I had... Or Kamala Harris, by the way. Or Kamala Harris. Absolutely. (laughs) Any of the the women that were running Mm -hmm. and the the wonderful women that were running. But yeah, I mean, I think Hillary had her own set of baggage because it started when she it started with her fucking marriage, you know, and she had to Mm -hmm. wear makeup because she was the the governor's wife who wasn't wearing makeup. 
and and she had to change her personality in order for her husband to be taken seriously, which is ridiculous. And she had to change her name. Yeah, she had she to change her she name. She was still Hillary Rodham right. all the way up until he got elected. He started campaigning for governor. Yeah. And then, so then you have the right wing going after her and going nuts after her. And then, you know, it bleeds over to in, in our own party. And the, the only thing I'll say about her vote, it's not that I necessarily defend that vote, except for the fact that they were sold a bill of goods that wasn't true. I know Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders was like the only or one of the only people who didn't vote for it and good for him for having that foresight. But I, but I think that, I think that they were told you know, a lie. And they based their decision on a lie that there were weapons of mass destruction. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I can't go back and say, oh, I wouldn't have voted for the war. If I was convinced by fucking Colin Powell that, you know, hey, they have weapons and we got to be doing this, maybe I would have gone along with it because I would have been frightened into it or convinced into it or whatever, because that's what Republicans do. They use fear, they play on your fears and they play on your hatred and all that shit. And so, Mm. you know, I mean, I look at, I think think the worst thing about Hillary Clinton was there was was a, something that comes from her that can be viewed as entitlement. I don't know that it is entitlement, but it looks that way. And, and she doesn't have, and she admitted it that she just doesn't have the talent of campaigning down. She's not a good campaigner. She's a really good worker. She's a really good, you know, put her in a position and she fucking works the shit out of that position and gets high favorable ratings, but put her out in front of a crowd. She doesn't handle herself so well all the time when, when impromptu things happen and she's confronted by black lives matter activists or whatever it is. She doesn't necessarily say, even though what she's saying makes sense, it comes off as being entitled or cold. And, and when you're a politician, you have to find that walk that line. You have to not mm-hmm. pe- piss people off. I mean, you know, you can go back and and look at everything that she said in her campaign. I have issues with some of the things that she said specifically about Medicare and all that, but still, for the most part, she, you know, she handled herself I- with grace and she spoke the truth. But yeah, she's I a woman. Her. I love her. Well, right. But she also she's like here's the thing she's like us Kimberly in that she basically can she'll get she's well first of all she's hilarious Mm -hmm. and she's very sarcastic and she has to tamp that hilarity down which i think there's something about not if you're a funny person not being funny right can be downright painful especially when the situation calls for it yes you know um but the other thing too is she's she has an air of sarcasm and that's what i think people see i dig that love it yeah um Love um, but it. Yeah. everybody's not again. Everybody's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing she about does have Kamala a vagina is, too. <laughs> she she handles it. I don't know Kamala Harris though. Maybe because she's younger, yeah. people that will are willing to and a new generation is embracing right. her. Right. It might be a different ball game. Yeah, so and she also we'll doesn't. She doesn't come with fucking twenty years of of being beaten uh, up. Right. So I mean, right. she, she, she's got her own battles that she's going to have to deal with, especially being a woman of color. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that works for her is her ability to laugh. Her, I mean, she, the woman is fucking serious when she wants to be. And I would mm-hmm. never want her to prosecute me or grill me or anything because I would just be like a shivering mess. But mm-hmm. um, she's so fucking good at what she does. But it's like she also is able to, to like 
I think what she did was she just said, I'm joyful and it's awesome. And people were like, mm-hmm. it's awesome. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and she just, she, she wasn't afraid to be joyful. She wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to giggle and, 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 you know, dance and have fun. And it's like, I think that, you know, plus she's a good looking woman. And when she smiles, there's this warmth that comes through her eyes. And I mm-hmm. think that, that, you know, I mean, that doesn't hurt when you're in politics and so, no, it's AOC is the same way. Yes. You know, the fact is, you know, you can love her or hate her. The woman lives life. I mean, she grabs life by the throat. Yeah. She is absolutely 100% there. And boy, she did not hesitate. I have to, one of the things I admire about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is that when she got elected, there was no hesitancy there. Mm-hmm. She didn't act like a junior, right. like a junior congresswoman. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. My constituents put me here. Right. They're just as important as your constituents, regardless of how long I've been in the seat. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be fighting as hard. I'm going to be speaking as loud. And she is never, she is so unapologetic. And I love that about her. Me too. So do I. Absolutely. It took, I wanted to make sure that she was going to be a positive force and I took some time before I really made my decision, but uh, she has totally convinced me. I'm like, I'm all in, you know, that woman is fierce. And again, you know, I know that there are some people that, you know, whatever they don't like about her, they have their reasons and they're fine. They, they can have their reasons, but, the, but she is so strong. She is so powerful. And the fact that she knows how to slap down people like Ted Cruz, it's, it's just so cathartic to see her because you know, she's a new, she's that new generation of feminist where, mm-hmm. you know, y- y- I came on board in 2012 and it was like, woohoo, we get to smash those, fem- you know, smash the patriarchy mm-hmm. and call out those. She's doing all that stuff that we were watching happening at Jezebel and all these, you know, whether it was a Wonkette or some of these feminist bloggers that were just not at all afraid to call out the bullshit. And, and she's coming from that mindset. And so to see an elected official behave that way toward misogynist men is just, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I'm, it's, I'm so proud. You know? Right. I, so am I. Well, and you know, the fact that she lives with her partner to whom she is not married and the yeah. fact that she's, you know, she's living her own life on her terms mm-hmm. um, is a, it, you need women in your life that you can look at and go and women, her age and, and, and older and younger need to be able to see that, yeah. that, that she doesn't have to change her name. Mm-hmm. She doesn't because her husband got elected to the governor. She doesn't exactly. have to, well, she does wear makeup and she really enjoys it. And yeah. She's good at it. But <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have to wear makeup. And she doesn't and always don't yeah. wear makeup. Yeah. She doesn't always wear makeup. She wears it sometimes. And in fact, I saw her, on youtube talking about she was for vogue and it was her makeup routine and she was specifically saying it was her red lip and she was Mm -hmm. saying you know the the thing is is that it is empowering and in some you know talking about how some women are criticized for wearing makeup or whatever but she goes you know it's like these bold red lips it feels empowering and it is Mm -hmm. empowering and it's like uh, you know, I, I've written about how my ex-boyfriend said that, you know, wearing makeup was like a mask, that like you were hiding behind a mask. It's such fucking bullshit. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. stop treating, you know, when human beings have decorated their bodies throughout time. 
This is just another way to decorate your body. Shut the fuck up mm-hmm. about hiding behind the and mask. And men used to be the ones who wore the makeup. Yeah. So yeah. have a seat. Exactly. Have all the seats. <laughs> have all those seats. Well, okay, it's been about two hours, so I guess we should start wrapping up now. But I could still keep talking. I mean, it would be so easy to talk to like 8 o'clock tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not do that, though, because I'm I know. tired. And I, I also I have laundry to do, so this is important. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been so much fun. And so, again, I just want to tell everybody that you will be coming back. Now, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to figure it all out, but you know, you'll be coming back on the patrons only shows. Occasionally you'll do some free shows too. So just expect that. Thank you for coming on. And before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? I'm on Twitter at, at Amanda, Amanda. So, so it's Amanda. So S O, uh, and also on Instagram, Amanda Sowards, all one word 42. Awesome. And don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. And you can find my books on Amazon under the same name, Kimberly Johnson. Uh, There's Peyton's Choice. That's about teen abortion teen romance and there's the virgin diaries more teen sex than that <laughs> although and it's I'm the <laughs> yes. last story in the virgin diaries so. you are in the virgin <laughs> diaries and then and then there i've got american woman and ain't no sunshine so go check it out if you like my books please review them thank you amanda and we will talk again thank you bye-bye